Hi everyone, my name's Caleb Deal, and we're here on the Oregon Business Broadcast. Today we're talking with Ryan Michaels, CEO of Kind Time, a cannabis marketing agency. Uh, how's it going, Ryan? It's going well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. And today we're going to talk about uh, some issues in the cannabis industry with uh, oversupply and how to deal with that through creative marketing approaches. Uh, so Ryan, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started with KindTime. Oh wow, that's a, that's a loaded question. Uh, KindTime has been through about four different iterations, everything from uh, me doing audio engineering work to hacking iPhones and posting Craigslist ads driving across the country all the way to now being a full-blown creative studio here in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, sounds like quite the journey. Uh, so at a recent panel you spoke at, you discussed uh, some of the oversupply issues in the cannabis industry in Oregon. Uh, basically, we've got too much weed and and we're figuring out how to sell it all. And one way you suggested dealing with that is uh, brands can differentiate themselves through creative marketing. Uh, and in fact, the panel was called Differentiate or Die, uh, which I think scared people a little bit, uh, but maybe in a good way. Uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that approach and why branding is more important now than ever. The whole point of the panel was really that Oregon is finally becoming a big boy market. For a long time here, it was it was really, I mean, even now, it's a DIY. We're still selling nugs out of jars on the dispensary shelf. No one is actually selling their stuff in a package. It's such a competitive market i mean especially here in oregon how do you differentiate when everyone's stuff is in the same jars on that shelf behind you um and i think that's why we haven't seen the market crash that's happening in colorado right now and the market crash that they're kind of experiencing in washington right now we also have a, a really slow uh, uh system here with our government the olcc only started out with one woman that was processing all of the applications that were coming into her for like the whole first year that the OLCC existed. And she had a pile of papers on her desk and she's sitting there going as fast as she can. Uh, I think because of that slow rollout, we just haven't really seen it affect the market as much, but that's why it's kind of catching up now because we have a lot of new companies stepping into the game and really big companies with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, next time I'm having a tough day at work, I'll just remember that lady in the OLCC. <laughs> um, uh, so cannabis marketing sounds like can be kind of a challenge uh, in part because marijuana is still classified as a Schedule One drug, meaning it's subject to uh, additional restrictions on paid advertising. Uh, so what are some of the more creative approaches uh, that you've seen cannabis companies take and uh, particularly in this tough market? Right. A lot of it has to be social media. Um, and that's kind of what we've seen across the board in the market. Uh, you have no options for paid advertising, even providing design and marketing services. We have been blacklisted by Facebook and we are not allowed to post ads anymore. Um, we can't post ads on Instagram. The only network that hasn't shut us down is, is LinkedIn, and I think it's because we haven't really given them very much money and tried yet. But as soon as we do, I'm sure they're going to shut us down as well. And we're just an ancillary business, so that's kind of how far out it spreads. Some creative ways we've, we've deployed ourselves. Um, you really have to kind of get into guerrilla marketing. Really, you have to take it old school. You have to kind of pretend that some of these inter internet channels in modern marketing just don't exist. Um, partnering with other companies, jumping on events that you know your target demographic is going to be. Partner with a company, a festival, a local concert. You know, 
people might be familiar with the band 311. They're kind of known as a stoner band. They have been for, for decades. Um, you know, you go and partner with them and you say, hey, we want to give 20% off at our dispensary. It's right down the road. And anyone who buys a ticket automatically gets a coupon printed off from Ticketmaster, StubHub, or wherever they buy that ticket. And you can buy anything at our dispensary the day of or day before the concert. Sure, yeah. I think any of us who have been to a music festival uh, recently can recognize that'd be a smart marijuana marketing strategy. Uh, but that is kind of a stereotype. And you talked in the panel about getting away from some of those traditional marijuana stereotypes like the 70s stoner, the Rasta colors, uh, and that sort of look and vibe. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and what's a better way to market cannabis? The best way to market cannabis is really dependent upon your brand. You know, what does your brand represent? The people who started your company, what was their vision? What are their goals? Where do they want to be? I mean, that's true in any market. I mean, you can look at something like computers and it's it's a parallel market in every way. So, you know, you, you look at computers and you see that you have the Apple, but then you also have the Alienware. Now, the Alienware machines, they're super, you know, super high-end, very techy. You know, they're meant for a gamer. Apple computers are really meant for, like, the creative business professional, or at least that's who they tried to market to for a very long time. But it's a very different approach. So I think you have to take that into account in cannabis. You know, Sarah Cannabis, for example, here in, in Portland, they have a very clean, white, blue-on-white, flat aesthetic. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, we have um, Electric Lettuce. Electric Lettuce is their sister company to Sarah, and they have retro 70s style, big bubble letters, lots of bright colors, and that's, you know, totally different way to go. But if you look at their social media feed, it's all of these retro 60s, 70s Instagram pictures, but very tastefully well done. You know, not a lot of tie-dye and, and hippie-esque counterculture stoner vibes necessarily. Interesting. Uh, and I imagine... Uh a lot of the approach to cannabis marketing also centers around influencers as we're seeing the rise of that in advertising in many different industries. Uh, and I assume you get a lot of people approaching you asking for free weed and asking to be an influencer. Uh, tell us a little bit about what would make a good uh, a social media influencer ambassador in the cannabis industry and how you find those sorts of people. Right, um, so we get asked for free weed all the time probably 20 messages a day on instagram of people who haven't read our profile don't know we're a creative agency and you know just tell us give me weed and it's like well you know first off work on your ask a little bit welcome to the business world right. let's, basic let's, social skills yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk let's be social uh i think that good influencer marketing a lot of people get caught up in it and they they figure well it's 50 bucks i'll throw 50 dollars at 20 different profiles and hope that some of them bring something back. Right. Uh, influencer marketing is huge in this industry. A couple things to watch out for is don't fixate on vanity stats. If you're going to hire someone to do influencer marketer, be an influencer marketer for you on, say, Instagram, don't just look at how many people are following them. You can buy followers, you can buy views, you can buy a ton of things on these networks. Look at the actual engagement they're receiving on each post. You know, if they have 20,000 followers and they're receiving 1,000 likes per post, you know, that's about a 5% engagement rate per post, which for Instagram and free advertisement, that's actually a pretty good metric. Whereas we see a lot of companies or individual influencers that'll have 70,000 followers, 
but get 13 or 14 likes on a post. You know, it's pretty apparent that they're buying that that fake engagement. Right, so. that New York Times piece that came out on buying as many fake followers as you could ever want. Yep. Right. Um, another thing I thought you said was interesting is that the price of Oregon weed has actually dropped more slowly than in uh, Washington and Colorado. Uh, so what are we doing so well here in Oregon that the uh, price is holding out a little bit better than in some of those other states? I think in comparison to Washington, uh, Washington started really high. I don't know if you remember if you drove across the bridge at all when it had gone recreationally legal, because I think they beat us by like four years right, or something. Yeah. They usually beat us to most uh, policy goals, I feel like. Ah, uh, Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like our older brother a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, so I think Washington just came in on the super high end to the point where I had friends up there that were still coming and asking if I could find things on the black market in Oregon because the prices were too high in Vancouver. So astronomically high, it had to come down. I think Oregon started at a fairly reasonable price. And I know within, uh, so I think that had a huge, huge uh, effect on it along with that OLCC licensing and the slow drip of licensing, not having as much competition in the market. Interesting. Uh, so another interesting caveat uh, that I saw at the conference uh, is there was a geneticist there talking about how uh, marijuana retailers promote all these different strains, right? Like sour diesel, and you'll see a whole bunch of these strains if you go into any marijuana retailer. Uh, but she was saying a lot of these are actually made up and it seems to me as kind of like a slowdown guys your uh, marketing is getting way out of hand uh, so how do brands steer clear of this uh, inauthentic marketing or kind of going wildly toward all these different strains and uh, and keep it authentic and uh, keep it focused yeah so when you're starting out you really need focus is the best word that I that I heard you use there. Hyper focus. I think any grower at this point, you know, takes and crossbreeds a couple plants and just goes, yeah, that's now Josh's green goddess, and just kind of throws another name on it. We probably do need to slow down a little bit and focus more on building the business side of this. We've got a lot of room to go, a lot of room to grow. Um, goes really far beyond flour with the made up thing now we're getting so so heavily into concentrates that's kind of the the rage right now and with the uh the concentrates what they're doing is they're extracting all the terpenes out of it and then when they're they're pushing them back in their flavor profiling so most of the con concentrate cartridges we're smoking those are just completely made up strains they are just batch tested down and then flavor injected and they just say that's lemon haze Okay, so it's like orange juice from concentrate, and now we've got weed from concentrate. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you just just a concentrate, and they throw a flavor in there. Now it has mango. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, uh, just wanted to hear from you. What are some of the cutting edge trends you've been seeing in cannabis marketing? What are the new strategies we can expect from Oregon cannabis companies in the coming year as they try to stand out in this oversaturated market? I think what we're going to start seeing in the next year is a lot more money rolling into the state of Oregon. Every time I speak on a panel or in front of people, I, I stress this. Uh, we are being approached every single month by bigger and bigger investors that want to build bigger companies and, and grow bigger farms. Uh, we're in a very weird place in this country right now where having the federal illegality along with our, our localized legal market here 
um, companies can't really spread out and become a national company in a traditional way. You know, we can't distribute from one hub. But now what we're seeing is companies in other states are getting enough money and enough funding put together from their operations in their home state. They are migrating out and setting up facilities in other states. Um, you know, and I remember years ago traveling, I saw a Budweiser plant in a state. And then the next state, I saw another Budweiser plant. I said, well, Budweiser's huge. Why don't they have one centralized plant? Well, even in alcohol, apparently, it's still kind of difficult with certain states to cross the state lines with alcohol. So that's the model that the, the big companies have adopted. And I think we're going to see that exact same thing happen now in cannabis. The companies that are getting huge in Colorado, they're coming here. They're going to Washington. Um, we already have PAX. You know, PAX is licensing out their name to processors in every legal state right now. OPEN is doing the exact same thing, and that's just going to keep growing. So if you're not doing everything you can to brand and market and gain as much traction as you can to compete against these big guys and have your name known, they're going to they're going to roll in and crush everyone. So that's that's what we need to really watch out on for for Oregon and, and what's coming towards us. Uh, yeah, well, we'll be interested in keeping an eye on some of those trends in the coming year. And uh, that's Ryan Michaels, everybody, and his creative agency is Kind Time. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Thank you. You've been listening to the Oregon Business Broadcast, produced by the Oregon Business Editorial Team. Music for today's episode is from Rodrigo Vicente, Today's World. Thanks for listening.